This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. everybody, welcome back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is episode number 50 for Wednesday, December 8th, 2010. As always, I am Paul Fox, and joining me, jingling his bells from somewhere here in the Fragrant Harbor, is Mr. Kevin Ma. I'm jingling my what now? <laughs> jingling your bells, it's December, it's holiday time. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might, were trying to make a euphemism or something. I'm not sure. Was Who, me? No, famous. I'd never do that. <laughs> I'd never do that. Not to you, sir. Um, no, no, no. So, yes, we are here in December, and this is going to be our last, I guess, official episode of the 2010 uh, extended season, since we actually started midway through 2009. Um, we've got a few things to talk about. Uh, you all set for the holiday there, Mr. Ma? Um, well, not much of a holiday for me, Paul. I mean, we're, I'm working all the way until Chinese New Year, and you know Hong Kong, uh, Saturday is considered public holiday, so uh, most public holidays, actually, in the holiday season seems to be falling on a weekend or Saturday or something yeah, like yeah. that, so not much of a holiday. Not much of a holiday, but we got a lot of holiday movies coming out, so that should have you a little bit excited. Oh, definitely. Holidays are uh, the best time for movies. You know that. Yeah. Also a good time for giving gifts and DVDs. Um, any recommendations on things you think that uh, people should be maybe stocking their stuffing, uh, st- stuffing their stockings with, excuse me, or <laughs> giving out for Hanukkah or any of the other various uh, gift-giving celebrations that we have in this month? Well, if you want to stock someone's stuffings, uh, I suggest uh, the Dream Home Blu-ray. I guess just for the mental image of stocking someone's stuffing. Mm. But um, recently, uh, Inception came out on home video, um, and that's a you know, pretty good film, I think we agree. Um, so I suggest that. On the Asian cinema side, I think we have Detective D uh, just come on home video. I'm holding the Blu-ray right now in my hand. Yes, as am I. Um, yes, uh, and I just saw on the Yes Asia Coming Soon uh, titles, uh, we will be having uh, Frozen and All About Love, directed by Anne Hui. Uh, not really traditional holiday movies, but uh, something interesting Hong Kong movies, you might want to give it a try. Uh, whether you like it is a different issue, but uh, still, very interesting Hong Kong movies. Alright, so those are just a couple thoughts to keep in mind. If you've got a friend or a relative out there who's into uh, movies, I was looking at the in- Inception Blu-ray. It's pretty pricey. It's like uh, it's it's like up there. It's like three hundred something Hong Kong. It's almost fifty dollars US. Um, yeah, I've seen a store of uh, two ninety nine, but that's why I went the Japanese version because um, J- 
Japanese version is similar price, but um, it comes to the top in the film. So plus, what well, was Japanese, so it's automatically nicer. So I bought, so I went with the uh, the Japanese version of the Blu-ray, and um, I think it's a port of the one that the rest of the world gets. But still, the packaging is very nice, and you know, you get a nice little gift as opposed to the Hong Kong where you just get ripped by the local distributor. Sadly, mm-hmm. yeah. What what do you think about the price point for that though? I mean, is it would you would you uh, if you were like if your only option was to get the U.S. one, you think you'd wait a little while, or do you think it's it's worth that much? Because we both liked the movie, um, but what about in terms of as a, as a Blu-ray as features and things go? Um, well, first of all, I don't think any Blu-ray should be worth fifty dollars. Um, even Japanese, even the Japanese one did not cost fifty dollars. And talking about the the special edition with the top. Um, Unfortunately, here in Hong Kong, Blu-ray is priced a little higher uh, on average than the rest of the world. Um, I think I've seen one website sell the American version for $17.99. So um, I would say hunt down, hunt it down for hunt down for a good deal. It is the holiday season, so a lot of the big retailers should be doing um, some sort of sale or some sort of you know price markdown. Um, and it's a relatively new movie, so you, you won't be you won't get too much of a discount. But um, it shouldn't be as high as we were getting here in Hong Kong. But uh, is it worth? Uh, I think I think it's worth buying. Anyway, I think we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, a little bit later in our West Screen segment. We'll talk, be talking about another Blu-ray, which I would also recommend for the holiday season. But before we get too much into that, I think we need to move on to talk about some news. <laughs> All right, we've got a couple stories for East Screen this week. Um, up first, coming from our favorite site, Film Biz Asia, is a news story that's related a little bit to some of the things we were talking about with uh, Tim Young's when he was uh, visiting with us here a couple weeks back. Um, and that is Celestial has a deal now with in Singapore um, to do digital downloads. Um and I guess this is going to be primarily for mobile devices, uh, iPads and iPhones and uh, other such devices. Uh, it says, uh, according to the article by Patrick Frader, our titles will include The One-Armed Swordsman, 36th Chamber of Shaolin, Come Drink With Me, um, Vengeance, and The Heroic Ones. So a lot of the older uh, Shaw titles that have had Celestial release, there's going to be about 668 in total. Um, as well as 500 hours of original TV dramas. My question is, I think this is great, and we are talking about this with Tim. I, you know, I, I'm really dying to see more content uh, out there. How come this content is not available in Hong Kong? That is a very good question. I'm not sure why, what makes Singapore such a special region for this type of deal, but um, I'm really glad it's happening. And the most important part um, I think the deal that that we should note is that this is um, a, a download to own deal, which means um, there shouldn't be any D, uh, issues with DRM and 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 uh, limitations with uh, where the, the the content go. That means once a once someone has bought it and downloaded it, it's theirs to own, and I I assume it's theirs to keep. Um, I'm not sure why this is not available. This is not available in Hong Kong. Um, I'm not sure how big. Um, Singapore, the Singapore market is for this type of films, um, but I guess it could be 
a good start or a kind of a, a test a test for the for celestial um or oh because actually no you're right creative technology creative is the people who make the um the sound cards and the portable media players they're based in singapore um i think that would explain why why it's starting in singapore but whether this will spread to other regions uh i think it might very much depend on how the contents do in singapore um I'm also not sure about what kind of original TV, quote unquote, original TV dramas they'll be making. Celestial, I think, has a pretty big presence in Singapore. I think they open uh, cinemas and they operate um, at least cinemas. For that, I, I know for the, I know that for sure. Um, so that that could be some several reasons why um, they're working out of Singapore for this deal. But um, I'm I would like to know whether whether um, they're planning to spread to places like say Hong Kong or Taiwan. Uh, China might be a little iffy because of certain uh, censorship issues, but yeah, I, I really would like to have this deal come to Hong Kong. All right, our next bit of news: a little bit of uh, film politics for you. Um, it's a pretty lengthy article. I don't want to go too much into it, but uh, one of China's top leaders, uh, Xi Jinping, who's a lot of people are saying he's going to be sort of the next president. He's going to replace Hu Jintao. Um, they're talking about his preferences for films, particularly Hollywood films, and his dislike of a lot of uh, mainland Chinese cinema. And the article goes on to talk a little bit about uh, you know, him singling out uh, some filmmakers like Zhang Yimou and others and, and his like of uh, World War II movies in particular. And this has people speculating that perhaps he could bring some changes to the current film standards or film policy uh, that's on the books right now for Chinese filmmaking. Um, again, it's, it's a lengthy article. I would strongly urge people who are interested in Chinese filmmaking um, or Chinese cinema to go and take a look at it, because one of the things we continuously talk about here is the problem of having to make film fit uh, sort of the Chinese model, the Chinese standard. Uh, to get play in China. So this is somewhat exciting for me. I mean, if this potential kind of works out to uh, its full form and, and we do see some changes coming out, coming out of his leadership, if, if that's what really happens. Um, what, do you have any thoughts about this, Kevin? Um, this is really interesting uh, to me because this part of the whole WikiLeaks thing, it just kind of shows you how wide this WikiLeaks um, saga uh, covers, uh, even in covers the possible future Chinese leaders' taste in film. Um, but whether it, it will really change um, film policy, um, I highly doubt it because um, it's just really ultimately one man's taste. Um, Zhang Yimou is still now, I guess you can say, the, the, the party's uh, kind of their favorite son right now um, after the Olympics and after several films that you know, has managed to offend them for a while. Um, and and let's face it, even though the Chinese film market is fairly controlled by government censorship, what films get made actually still is still highly dependent on the audiences. Um, and if the audiences, you know, they get tired of World War II films, they're not going to watch World War II films, even though your, 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 your country's leader likes it. Mm. Um yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to see uh, Curse of Golden Flower because the the ending is um, is I guess 
it has certain uh, implications that could be anti-China uh, or anti-communist party. Uh, even though she didn't, Xi Jinping didn't didn't say that out outright. Uh, outright. Um, and, uh, and this to me is an interesting um, part of the WikiLeaks thing, but I, I don't think um, it will affect uh, possible uh, later policies too much. All right, our next bit of news coming from Japan. Um, that is about the film, the much-awaited film, Space Battleship Yamato, the live-action film. Um, been busting some pretty big records in its first five days of release and pushing out Harry Potter and the Death- Deathly Hallows into a runner-up position. Um, I'm super excited. I'm not a big Kimura fan, but I am dying to see this film we were talking a little bit of. We've talked about it before. We were talking a little bit about it before we started recording. Kevin, you had mentioned that if it gets played or when it gets played here in Hong Kong, it probably won't have English subtitles, which tends to be the case about fifty percent of the time with Japanese releases here. Um, but I don't care. I'm going to go watch it anyway. This is part of my childhood. Um, the article by Stephen Kremen over at Filmbiz Asia says the audience skewed heavily toward older audiences in Japan with one report claiming that 44% of audiences were in their 40s, 19% in their 30s, and only 12, 12% in their 20s. That's because this is for middle-aged people who grew up with the cartoon, uh, much like I did. Um, so that those numbers don't really surprise me, and that's one of the reasons I'm going to be in the audience as soon as I can be. Well, just review your age, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Well, I, I myself, I'm really surprised by these numbers because um, the, 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 the studio really tried hard to skew back towards the younger audiences. One, uh, selling, you know, this big special effects and two, uh, casting Kimura Takuya, who is uh, a leading member, I guess. He's not the leader, but he's the most popular member of one of the most popular um, pop groups in Japan, if not Asia, SMAP. Um, so I'm really surprised that it only... Uh, it didn't really attract that much of a younger audience. Um, nevertheless, I mean, it's an impressive opening. Um, 944 million yen. Um, and it's got the holidays coming up because uh, the, the New Year period is a very huge, it's a big holiday in Japan. Um, and you got, you know, the kids coming out of school. You got the big week-long holiday once we hit New Year. So uh, December and January, very big film-going periods in Japan. So... This is likely to do very well, uh, likely make back its budget in Japan, um, which is quite impressive. Um, and I, I look forward to the film. I seen the, I saw the opening of the film because they, they put it on the SMAP uh, TV show. Uh, they, they flipped the opening scene, and I'm, you know, special effects are quite impressive. But word of mouth hasn't really been strong. Um, I've been told that uh, there's internet, internet anger towards the film and how bad it is. But... Uh, one review I read from Japan Times by Mark Schilling actually said it's okay. You know, it's three stars out of five. It's an entertaining, big-budget sci-fi film. So I don't know who to listen to. Um, either way, I, I think I look forward to it, although maybe not as much as you, Paul, because I am not never really saw the original Yamato series. Yeah, I can, I can see. I mean, it's a flying sea battleship in space. I mean, I can see how that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to... Uh, younger people who've never seen the show um and even to me it's it's kind of you know an obnoxious idea but when i was a kid growing up it was just cool 
And whenever they fired that wave motion gun, I was sitting there cheering at the TV. Um, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, so yeah, bring it on. All right, our last bit of news for this week. Uh, Kevin, you got some news for us about some upcoming films during the holidays. Well, no, since we're going to be taking a break um, for the holidays, um, we might as well just start talking about some of the films that we can expect that people might might hear us talk about when we come back. Um, so let's start with um, actually this week. This week we have the uh, Korean 3D sex movie, The Tally, here in Hong Kong. Um, I'm not going to watch it because they really inflated the ticket price up to about $90. Um, so no way. I might just wait for DVD, even without 3D. I was have to stand it. Uh, next week, we'll have um, <clears throat> the Harry Potter movie. Um, I'm sorry. We should be sticking to Chinese Asian films. Uh, sorry about that. That's all right. That's all we we yeah. can talk Christmas. Okay. It's, it's sadly, Christmas the only show. Christmas Chinese film we're going to have is <clears throat> Marriage of a Liar, uh, directed by Patrick Kahn, starring Chrissy Chow, and produced by Wong Jing, you know, which is you know, like the ultimate dream team. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about you, Paul, but I think it's like the I ultimate dream I team. I think you got to figure... Get Dennis Law in there somewhere. Oh no, yeah, we're missing Dennis Law. He might be the financier. You never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I think Christmas big event film, I think Patrick Kahn and Wanjing. Um, and then Christmas Day, we have the latest uh, Ghibli movie, The Borrowers. Um, and then come the thirtieth, at the end of the year, we will be having the Jap- uh, the, the, the first film version of uh, the Haruki Murakami novel, uh, Norwegian Wood. Uh, which I really, really look forward to. Actually, it's one of the most anticipated films of the year just because I'm a big fan um, of the novel. And then once we hit into New Year, actually, it doesn't really stop before the Chinese New Year because this is the period when the big Chinese films uh, from Christmas actually make it to Hong Kong. Uh, so we will have Let the Bullets Fly, a starring Chow and fat Ge Yo, and Zhang Wen coming, I think, mid-January. We will also have uh, If You're the One Two. Uh, starring Goyo, also starring Goyo and Shu Chi. Um, that will be also be around that period. I think January thirteenth, uh, something like that. Um, and then once we go into do the new year, uh, we will have I think about eight to ten films, Chinese films. Um, that includes uh, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. That's uh, produced by Peter Chan, starring Louis Ku and Sandra Eng. We have Oswald Enswell 2011, which has finished shooting. Uh, that one is starring Louis Ku again, Cecilia Chen, uh, Donnie and Karina Lau. Um, we also have uh, Hot Summer Days 2. Uh, that's what it looks like because the uh, window hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, and I think... A lot of movies. Okay, we also have the uh, TVB produced the I Love Hong Kong film that's starring Eric Chung and the rest of TVB. Um, and that's at least three films. And I think there's at least six more. We should be getting uh, Shaolin. Yes, Shaolin. Uh, that's January 19th in China. Um, that's four. <laughs> and this, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be a very busy Lunar New Year. Um, the Chinese market has really blossomed to a point where I guess it can fit that many big event pictures in such a short holiday period. Um, I think we should start taking bets on how many of them we're going to be able to catch.
Okay, it's time to move on and talk about our East Screen film for this week. And that is the film called Bruce Lee, My Brother, the latest sort of biopic film about the legendary actor and martial artist, Bruce Lee. Um, this is an anniversary year for him. Is that right, Kevin? Yeah, it's his 70th birthday. Yeah. Uh, that was two weeks ago. And so a lot of people had pretty high expectations about this film, and we've had sort of a build-up with uh, the various incarnations of the Ip Man films that we've had, uh, Ip Man 2 and then um, Ip Man, The Legend is Born, uh, earlier this year. How does this film fit in, Kevin? Um, I haven't had a chance to see it, so we're going to have to pass it all the way over to you. Okay, uh, better work on my, my muff muscles for this. Um, okay, so Bruce and my brother, we've been following the development of this film since it was announced. Um, as uh, we have previewed this, um, this is about Bruce Lee in the 60s. This is his, uh, the first 20 or so years of his life uh, from his birth until... Um, him departing or leaving Hong Kong for America uh, when he was in his 20s. So was, uh, all of the film takes place sometime between the 40s and the 60s. Um, now, do you remember what kind of initial expectations you had for the film, Paul? I think we, we discussed this when the movie was being made. Um, well, I'd, I I'd remember I I'd, kind of hoped that they had some focus on uh, when he was younger and some because he was an actor, as a child, he was sort of a child star for a while, and then he left films, and I was kind of hoping they'd really get into that aspect of his life a little bit more, because um, that really hasn't been done, and we've already seen a bit of his later years uh, in the in the dr movie Dragon with uh, Jason Scott Lee. Um, mm -hmm. So does this sort of fill in the gap, I guess? Actually, it really gives you uh, what you specifically want, Paul, because it, it really does go quite a bit into uh, his acting career. Um, the Actually, this is part of the reason why the film failed, but I can talk about that a little later. Um, as I had mentioned, I, I had initially expected the film to be kind of like an American graffiti, uh, but with Bruce Lee kind of deal, uh, kind of 50s and 60s nostalgia, and with a lot of uh, Bruce Lee as the juvenile delinquent, because he was kind of a, a troublemaker uh, when he was a child, I believe, uh, from what I've heard. And um, I thought that would be kind of fun movie to watch. Uh, you know, Bruce Lee, the, the arrogant Bruce Lee, uh, bullying kids all over Hong Kong. Um, Sally, it's more, it kind of leans more towards a lot of name dropping. And um, it is what Paul was looking for about um, going to his film career. Um, quite a bit is devoted into how. Uh, uh, Bruce Lee got his acting career started, and the and the stars that he he had worked with. Um, there's a lot of uh, cameos by uh, big uh, Hong Kong actors um, playing um, actually fifties, uh, I guess popular fifties actors. Um, so if you know them, then you know you you probably uh, have that going for you. But for many, especially the Chinese audience, they didn't know they don't know who these people are, and um, I think that's part of the reason why the film. Uh, failed but um let's go back to the chronological order of what the story is trying to tell um the film stars uh Arif lee as the adult bruce lee um and uh before that it also stars a uh, tony learn Kafai and uh, christy chung uh as his parents uh you have michelle yeah as his aunt um there's also wilford lao pop star kind of playing this bad recurring bad guy um Star-wise, who else? We have um, Lee Hyun-kum playing uh, Bruce Lee's grandmother. 
Um, so that kind of tells you how far back the story goes. It starts off from his birth, and then it follows him growing up during the Japanese War, um, Sino-Japanese War. There's some Japanese people showing up and very evil. And then uh, half an hour in, you you start to get Arif, and his uh, you get into his acting career, and you get into um, um, the people he the people he run into in Hong Kong, and how it kind of led up to um, why he was forced to leave Hong Kong. Uh, first of all, Arif, uh, definitely the best part of the film. He really pulls off Bruce Lee. Um, he is a star. He is essentially a future star. If he can keep uh, his acting up, if he keeps giving these really charismatic, uh, magnetic performances, um, I think he would be. He could be a big, uh, big star, even a big actor someday. Um, here, uh, it kind of edges. It almost is always dangerously leaning on being too much of a of an impersonation performance, but I think it's very charismatic in the film, and he's it's, it feels like he's the only actor in the film. Uh, um, and maybe Tony Leung can't find that any any life when you watch the film. Uh, everyone else just sort of seems like too much. They're trying to act, or they they're trying to just simply read out the lines that they're giving because um, the cast doesn't really speak Cantonese. You have uh, Christy Chung. Who who's can't who is not dubbed in the film in any in, in Cantonese at least. So she's speaking in this um, weird American accent when he's when she's speaking Cantonese uh, as Bruce Lee's mother in the forties. And then you know there's a scene when when she's talking to an evil uh, British police officer, um, and then suddenly she's speaking perfect American English. So it's a very strange casting. And you got the two um, two uh, sidekicks who play Bruce's uh, best friends. Uh, they're played by M C Jin. The American-born Chinese uh, rapper and a uh, Han Jin Chan, who is um, a Singapore-based uh, musician who uh, doesn't really speak Cantonese. So you got these two sidekicks whose native languages are not Cantonese either, um, and and they're just running around. They're acting like in the fifties, except they're not. You could tell because they're really speaking really strange style of Cantonese, and that really kind of told, pulled me out of the film whenever they appeared. Um, and the story feels. Really, um, how do I say? Because this film is um, approved by Bruce Lee's brother and his older sister, uh, but not by his immediate family. So um, some of, and it's all based on their recollection. Um, but at the same time, you know that you can tell that Manfred Wong, who wrote the script and who's the producer, he just kind of going through these this checklist of stuff they have to include. So you have, of course, you got the evil Japanese, you got the evil colonial. You know, uh, colonial police officers. You've got your drug dealers, and then you've got your your Bruce Lee learning martial arts thing. But none of it. It just feels like they're checking off one by one, one by one. And the story is never all that engaging along the way. Um, he, as good as Arab is as the character, he's not really given enough to do. You never really learn much about what makes Bruce Lee. You know, the Bruce Lee. He. Um, the biggest crime it commits is that they never go into why, what he learns about martial arts or what his views about martial art is. You see him going to learn martial arts. Um, he meets. Actually, this is my favorite part of the film: is that uh, it's not really much of a spoiler because it doesn't really affect the story. But it man doesn't. It's not really a character in the film. You see him going to meet it man, but it clears up the fact that it man never actually taught Bruce Lee. It was it man's disciple who taught Bruce Lee. Um, at that point, 
in his life, Ip Man was actually too old or doesn't really teach students anymore. So in the film, you don't even see Ip Man's face. You just only see him in the back, and he, he shakes Bruce Lee's hand, take a picture, and then the rest of it is the is Ip Man's disciple teaching Bruce Lee martial arts. So, so did, that, they, did they superimpose Donnie and, like, use CG to, to age him somewhat, or...? No, no, it's just the back of uh, back of some old guy's head. Oh. Uh, that, that's kind of, I guess, a guy that would look has a head that looks like Ip Man at that age. Um, so that's my favorite part because you know, I guess I have a problem with the Ip Man films uh, and how much you know it's trying to make this Ip Man into a folk hero simply because he taught Bruce Lee. But I, I like that the film kind of sets sets history straight. Um, but that's the only kind of a little spark. In this, in this really not really engaging movie, uh, it runs way too long. It's 130 minutes, um, and actually the teen part, uh, the part where you know you see Bruce Lee doing the 60s, you know, teen romance thing with um, with um, Patrick Zayn's daughter um, Jennifer Zayn in her debut role, it, that kind of really flat. Um, one, first of all, Jennifer Zayn is not really a strong actress. This is her first film, so I don't blame her. Um, and second, of all, just not that well written you got your love triangle and then the the best friend character gets in some trouble and it's not really all that compelling um again it still doesn't help to build Bruce Lee's character it just seems like again it's checking off things off a list um I really would have liked to see more Bruce Lee kind of as a I wouldn't say a bad guy but more of a troublemaker is more fun because you know, kind of a pseudo anti-hero is always more fun to watch than you know Bruce Lee being the straight man. And you know Bruce Lee being a straight man when he's twenty is, I, I understand why. I can understand Manfred Wong is trying to please the family. Um, and the family doesn't want you know Bruce Lee to be depicted in any negative light. But you know that doesn't make it doesn't really make an interesting film. Um, sadly, it's not really the tr- the the worthy biopic. That someone like Bruce Lee, the legend, really deserves. Um, uh, it's glossy. It looks really nice, and Arif is really good. But sadly, there's more negative things going for it than it does positive things. All right. Well, uh, what would be your your recommendation? Should people see this in the cinema, or would this be something they could wait and catch on video? I think video is fine because easier for someone to just stop and go stop and go stop and go and that's that might be the best way to go about the film because you watch it once it runs way too long um and you get kind of you you, it stops being engaging in the middle so you kind of stopping and starting again stopping and starting again it might work a little better Hmm. and the the film's title bruce lee my brother seems to hint at uh, the fact that there's a relationship with a sibling is that one of the highlights of the film at all or well first of all because bruce lee is my brother from another mother <laughs> but uh, no but the, the whole film is um narrated by um either by actual bruce lee's younger brother robert lee uh or is uh, narrated by someone playing him uh, actually the film again it, the the rights were bought from robert lee and 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 um bruce lee's older sister phoebe lee i think uh, so in the beginning, actually, in the beginning of the film, before the actual story starts, you see Robert Lee and Phoebe Lee uh, doing an introduction, which actually, again, pulled me out of the film because you feel it's, it's connecting. It's very strange. You know, it almost feels like I'm not sure why they're in the film. Um, the film is really self-explanatory. I didn't really need them in the film. It's 
almost like you know Robert wanted their time in the spotlight or something. Um, but yeah, the entire film is is narrated from the uh, viewpoint of uh, his younger brother, which I don't think is is needed. And I mean, not to give away any spoilers on it, but I think most people probably know the Bruce Lee story well enough by now. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I mean, how do they? How does this close out? I mean, uh, I, I remember how they sort of closed out Dragon, um, and and I was kind of disappointed because they net, you know, they they just kind of threw some some narrative subtitles up on the end talking about. It, they they showed this wide shot of him getting ready to film uh, uh, Enter the Dragon, I think, and mm-hmm. they had these you know subtitles on them on there about his death, and I they never really got into the you know that whole controversy or anything. I'm wondering, do they take a similar approach here? I mean, it just you know, is it is it kind of do they just end with uh, some some narr- narrative on you know the further adventures of what? happens to him briefly in the future or um it, do you think it has a a decent closing or the ending uh, you know it ends exactly where you expect it. it it ends where robert lee's uh what robert lee could sell stops um so it stops when when bruce lee leaves hong kong um i'm not sure if you if you watch it as a double feature with uh, Dragon, I think um, then I think Bruce Lee, my brother, ends at a perfect point to connect to Dragon, uh, the 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 American film. But here are so I, I forgot what kind of inner titles it had. I think it, it it had a very very small. It didn't really explain much about what happens after Bruce Lee leaves, as if as if you know everyone should already know. So um, it kind of felt like it's the end of an episode more than the end of a film because. As a film, I mean, the story itself doesn't really end at a satisfying point anyway. Um, but I could see why they had to stop there. Um, so I can't say whether it's not really satisfying or not. But if you're looking for a complete story about Bruce Lee, that's obviously, this is obviously not where you want it to end. But um, as for the film itself, I was glad it was over because it was running way too long. Um, but no, it, it doesn't really end. If you're really looking for a comprehensive story about Bruce Lee, it, it definitely doesn't end where you want it to end. So, so does Aerith ever go, wah? Of course, of course. There's got to be a wah. I'm not sure why, but, you know, yeah, Aerith's doing his wah thing. And, uh, yeah, Aerith's really good. Again, he's really good. Um, and he, I mean, knows well enough to impersonate certain physical physical things about Bruce Lee. But he knows that Bruce Lee was a very charismatic person or a very charismatic star in the first place. And I think he carried that. That's the most important thing he had to carry. And I think he did it very well. Uh, so if not, it wasn't for Arif, um, the film would really just fell flat on his face. But I'm glad he did the film. listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right. It's time to move on to some West Screen news for this week. And not a lot of news to talk about, just one little news nugget caught my eye uh 
about the new upcoming Muppet movie. Uh, quite a big cast of uh, actors and actresses joining up, um, including people such as Alan Arkin, Jack Black, Billy Crystal, Zach Galifianakis, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and most recently, Ricky Gervais and Emily Blunt. Um, I know we talked a little bit about this last year. You know, you had mentioned that uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol was one of your favorite uh, holiday versions of uh, that, that, that film or that, that series or uh, that story. I think it's a, it's a nostalgia, and I'm not sure how it will play with the, the young generation right now. But yeah, I, I think just for nostalgia's sake, I might go watch it. But uh, where I, I expect to be, you know, enchanted by it or whatever, I'm not sure. I think I might have grown past it. There's a, there's a push from Muppets. I don't, I don't know if you caught it. Uh, the other day, there was a thing on uh, released on YouTube with the Cookie Monster trying to audition for Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. It was really uh, weird. I saw something like that. Um, it was like a Saturday Night Live digital thing, wasn't it? <clears throat> no, this was like this was uh, apparently done by uh, the the Sesame Street guys in a in a you know in a push to to get Cookie Monster to to host. I guess I don't know. It, it's wow. just weird. It was yeah. It's I don't, I'm not sure who was behind it. Uh, oh no! The the puppet the, the the Cookie Monster thing I saw was uh, not Cookie Monster. The 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 Dracula Count Dracula the Dracula character in uh, Sesame Street. Yeah, he was in the Simpsons Halloween special. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's, where I, yeah, I yeah, that's that. where I saw him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then the the Simpsons Christmas special um, this past weekend had they did a sort of a quadrology of short stories like they do for their Halloween special, and one of them was. The Simpsons as Muppets. <laughs> um, the whole segment was done with them as as puppets. is really well done. Well, I know um, what I'm doing this weekend. Hulu. Our West Screen film for this week uh, is a film that's been out for a while, and I guess most people have probably already seen it. Uh, but I finally got to see it, and all I can say is finally I got to see it. I actually had to buy this while I was on vacation last week in Hawaii. I thought about ordering it from Amazon, and I got into a Walmart, and I saw it there on Blu-ray, and it was the same price as Amazon. And I was like, well, what's up with that, Amazon? You're supposed to be cheaper than everybody else. And so I just bought it right then and there. And I've, I originally saw it as a uh, download on iTunes. I rented it. Um, but, and after seeing it, I, I just said, I got to have it. 
and that is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the movie, and I'll talk a little bit about the Blu-ray also, since we have it here, uh, have it here sitting in front of me. Um, Hong Kong really missed the boat on this. I, I think this film could have done pretty good if they would have gotten it over here. Yeah, I don't, they just really dropped the ball. I don't know what's up with the distribution of films over here in Hong Kong. Um, but I, I finally saw it, so, uh, you know, it's the cinema, it's the cinema's loss. So Scott Pilgrim versus the world tells the story of a, the main protagonist, Scott Pilgrim, who's kind of your typical young 20-something guy, uh, slacker, um, has dreams and visions of being in a rock band, and um, he's got a new girlfriend, uh, he's dating a high schooler, and that's sort of how the film opens up, um, and it's basically about him encountering uh, a new girl um, that he and called Ramona that he falls in love with, and his attempt to pursue her, um, and sort of letting off the girl he's currently dating, a young Chinese high school student named Knives Chow. Um, and as he starts to date Ramona, he gets challenged by her seven evil exes, her seven evil ex-boyfriends, and uh, <clears throat> or ex-partners, I should say. And uh, all of them come after Scott Pilgrim with a fury and a vengeance, and he has to constantly fight them off to keep the right to date Ramona. And it sounds like a crazy story, and it is. It's visually... Um, it's visually very impressive. The storytelling is is really unique and, and well done. Um, it's got excellent casting, I'd say with the exception of Michael Sarah, who, and a lot of people have said this in other reviews and things, and I, I've, I've just got to agree, he doesn't seem to do any character except Michael Sarah. He's been doing <laughs> the same character since Arrested Development, which he got famous for, and he does it well. Um, some people have said they don't, they don't think Michael Sarah fits as Scott Pilgrim. And a lot of those people are people who've read the books, read the comics. Um, I've since actually ordered the comic set. I haven't read, I've read a part of the first issue. Um, so I can't really, I can't really say that he doesn't fit the character, though I do kind of understand, um, based on what I saw in the initial part of the comic that I read, it kind of didn't really seem like a Michael Sarah type of character. Um, but this is a very niche film. It's, it's for a very specific audience that's mixed somewhere between current 20-somethings, um, sort of the Napoleon Dynamite generation, and video gamers, people like myself of the 80s and 90s, people who grew up with, uh, you know, spending hours on Nintendo and uh, the, the systems that followed. Um, if you're outside of that group, you're probably going to look at this and just go, what the heck? Um, because you're not going to get a lot of the visual references that are going on here. It's going to seem like this is all a dream or uh, some kind of fanta phantasmic storytelling, which it is. Um, for me, this film is very much like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but for gamers. <laughs> um and that's why I really love this film. I, I, I was not a big fan of Eternal Spotlight of the uh, Eternal Sun. Uh, I can't say it. What is it? Uh, Eternal, Eternal Sunshine. Sunshine. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I loved this film. 
it was it was I think it's entertaining. Gia actually watched it with me, and she's not a gamer, and she thought it was it was fun. She said it was like somebody's dream, um, which it is. Um, and I would say if you're if you're a gamer, if you if you've not read the comics, um, but you've played video games at any point in your life and you enjoy video games, I think you'll enjoy the film. Uh, Kevin, what was your take on it? Um, I I'm not sure if I loved it as much as you did. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, I also watched it on Blu-ray. I borrowed it from uh, from Kozo. Um, I can say I'm a casual gamer. I'm not a heavy gamer. Um, and um, I so I, I didn't get specific references, but I I kind of got the what the visual style, what they were going for. It's kind of like a crazy blend of comic and and game aesthetics. And um, I think it's really inventive and it's really stylish, and it is fun. Um, but like you said, I'm not sure if it'll work outside of its um, very specific demographic of young, you know, gamers and comic fans. Um, I guess gamer of all ages, you can say people who are obsessed with games. I'm not sure a, a regular movie goer would would you know connect with the film or they would really get the film. Um, and according, you know one might see on the box office gross is that it really didn't connect with people outside of that circle. Um, yeah, I can understand why. Um, even though I really like the film, um, I could see why some people might find it, might not be able to stand it. It is a very manic film and it's a very, uh, I wouldn't say aggressive, but it does move, move very, you know, move at a very strong pace. Um, nevertheless, I think people who are interested, they want to watch the trailer and, um, uh, and they they think it could be interesting. I, I definitely recommend them to watch it because it it does you know very much reflect what the trailer shows. Um, but you know one should know what uh, what he or she is in for first because they might step into a film they might not get. And if you don't have patience for you know things they don't get, they might not be able to stand the film. But with that said, again, I, I like the film a lot. Uh, I really have fun. I'm not sure if it really does much in terms of storytelling or. Or you know what you might typically expect from a typical cinematic experience, but you know I got what I wanted, which was you know lots of you know visual things, and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, not sure it was really that great, um, but I think it would be really good as a as a cult film, I guess in in the future. I think you'll catch on. It'll have a really loyal following, um, and it's worthy of it. And I'd like to take, take a minute to talk a little bit about the Blu-ray. Um, even though this isn't technically a Blu-ray special, um, the, the the Blu-ray, a lot of times in the past, I've been very critical of like Hong Kong Blu-rays and their complete lack of features. Um, if Hong Kong Blu-rays are sort of on the negative end of the spectrum, this is on the completely opposite and uber positive end of the spectrum. Because with the Blu-ray, you get not only the Blu-ray, you also get the the normal DVD and the digital copy. Um, all in one set, uh, which I think is great. And I wish this was the way that all media was coming these days. Um, you know, the, the, you'd no longer need a different section for Blu-rays and DVDs and, and um, having to worry about, do you have the rights to take something and rip it to your uh, portable media player? Because um, it's all included here right in. It's got a ton of features. Um, there's lots of interactive content. Um, there's commentaries by all the actors and the filmmakers as well. Um, it's got special extras like there's an Adult Swim uh, animated short that was done. 
And I'm, it, so, it sounds like the voice work of the actors themselves, Michael Sarah, and and others who are in this short. And it's it's just doing a backstory about how Scott Pilgrim met Kim, who was an ex-girlfriend of his who's now the drummer uh, in the story. And so it tells their sort of backstory a little bit. And just, you know, it's it's nice little things like that that are included in um, music videos and all this kind of stuff that is what a Blu-ray should be. Um, when you talk about, you know, the things that a Blu-ray can do in terms of interactivity, in terms of content, I think this is a, a prime example. And it's not super expensive either uh, in terms of cost. Um, the, the U.S. price was uh, $24, I think, that I got it for in Walmart. And it's similar on Amazon. A little bit more expensive here in Hong Kong, but I still think if I would have gotten it here, I wouldn't have minded paying a little bit more. Um, definitely with all that stuff included, that's what I think a Blu-ray should be. Are you listening, Hong Kong people? This is how you make Blu-rays. Live it. Learn it. Know it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think that's gonna—that's all our movies, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, we're we're almost at time too, so I think that's gonna close things up for the year. I don't know. I'm tired. Fifty episodes. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had a lot of fun. I mean, just echoing things that we we talked about. Um. During our several fake outs of the season, I guess we had a couple of times where we thought we were re-wrapping up the seasons. And um, just want to echo my thoughts, uh, how much fun I've had uh, doing this. Uh, really, really appreciative uh, for Paul, your work, uh, for doing all this dirty work of the editing and the uploading, all that stuff. And just letting me come up, you know, every week and, and chat. Well, I'm just glad you're here to keep me on the straight and narrow and... And keep us supplied with news and and uh, information and keeping my facts straight, which are always uh, wrong some in some way, shape, or form. I do want to say a big thanks to people like Ross Chen and Tim Youngs and everybody else who's contributed. Um, all, you know, um, all the guys over on the the web page who've left comments. Um, really appreciate all the feedback that you guys have given us, and we hope that you'll keep that coming. Um, we've got more stuff coming in the year. This is not the end. It's just the end of sort of this season, I guess, if this were to be a season one. Um, and I, I think I like ending it here because we'll start a new season with a new year and we'll come back and we'll talk about all the holiday films and stuff that we've seen during the break. And we'll just have a whole lot of, uh, content. We're hoping to get some other people on for interviews as well. Um, when we come back, we'll have a new season, new theme, and same old voices. We'll be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to be us. Um, but we hope to have a couple other people to join us. And uh, we'll talk about movies and whatever else is going on. As always, you can uh, follow us on Twitter uh, during this short hiatus that we'll have over the holidays. Find out what we're doing, what we're seeing, where we're at. Uh, if you find that sort of thing interesting, you can also send us an email, uh, send us some of your feedback on email or over at our website, www.kongcast.com. Uh, you can catch us up over there. Um, you want to follow the Twitter of Mr. Ma. He is at the, at twitter.com slash the golden rock. 
And he also has some writings out there on the interwebs. Where can people find those, sir? Yeah, um, I write weekly movie reviews on www.yp. Wait, movies. Sorry, not the well, www. Uh, movies. YP.com.hk. Yes, this week I will be reviewing the town and uh, maybe a few more holiday movies uh, along the way. Um, anywhere else, I prefer you don't see me because it might get me banned from certain countries or certain screenings. So yeah, keep it at YP Movies. Yeah, we we don't want to see your name in the next WikiLeaks release. Right? Hey, 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 hey! You never know. Yeah, <laughs> um. So yeah, keep in touch with Mr. Mon, and you will be doing you know, these throughout the holiday, right? You're going to be going and doing uh, holiday films and stuff like Harry Potter and Tron and all that good stuff. I'm not sure if I'll be watching Harry Potter, but I will be, you know, watching a lot of holiday films, um, even if it's not for review purposes. Um, and I will be keeping things up on my Twitter. What do you mean you're not going to be watching Harry Potter? Uh, it's just Harry Potter. Are you okay, from, well, are, are you okay, from House Slytherin? Is that what your problem is? Yeah, well, what can I say? I'm like a muggle. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, well, don't don't test me on Harry Potter speak. (laughs) You know, you can test me me on Wong Jing speak, but you can't test me on Harry Potter speak. That is not fair. Yeah, okay. Um, So, yeah, keep up with Mr. Mon, what he's doing, and we'll look forward to the many reviews that he's got. Um, Any final thoughts, Kevin? Uh, we'll have a good holiday, Paul. I mean, uh, we'll miss you over here in Hong Kong. Uh, be sure to come back on time to watch Chrissy Chow and Wang Yeah, Jing you know, I'm going to miss Kong. so much. I'm going to miss... I'm I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to see Harry Potter. I was hoping to see it last week, just didn't have time. Um, and then it's going to be starting here the day after I leave, and I'm not sure if it's still going to be playing in the U.S., so I may miss it altogether. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be missing... Um, I'm hoping that the borrowers is going to do well and going to still be playing by the time I get back because I really want to see that. Um, yeah, a whole lot of stuff coming, a whole lot of stuff to see. So well, Don't worry. We'll have season two to talk about all the movies you missed during the holidays. Yeah, that'll be good. You can all fill, year. We'll you can be fill me about. in. Yes. Fill me in. That's what I need you for. Yes. Well, uh, as, as we said, we hope everybody will have a happy and safe holiday. And as always, we will wish you good viewing, and we'll see you next year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, see you next season, everybody.